All information given in this episode is for educational purposes and should not be tried prior to consulting a licensed physician and or certified state or accrediting bodies. We encourage all listeners to research, talk, and make all inquiries to all of the important professionals and governing bodies before acting on any information heard on the Day Love It podcast. Any action taken by any listener is done by and under their own omission and action, whether conscious to the results, positive or not. Salutations and proclamations. It is I, it is you, it is us, it is we. Together we make up the digital family that is the Day La Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Philly's number one son, aka the body alchemist, Sun Moon Bay, bringing you another podcast excursion. Welcome one, welcome all to the 360 degrees of holistic fitness and health that is the Day La Fit Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing diabetes. That's right. Something that plagues many Americans and many individuals, period. We are going to be joined later by special guest, a Miss Marlisa Brown, who is a registered dietitian, as well as a certified diabetes instructor. She is a chef. She is an author and she is a professional speaker. And she is here with us to uh, give us some vital information on how to help better maintain our health Uh, If you have diabetes, as well as some information to be aware of if you know anybody that has diabetes. So I'm so grateful to her for being here uh, and sharing the information that she has. Also, uh, the reason I wanted to have this show particularly is because it means the subject of diabetes means so much to me because I have some very, very close people in my life that I love that have diabetes, one of which is my mother. My beautiful mother is an amazing individual and she has worked hard uh, the majority of her life to maintain her health and to stay very aware of diabetic condition. She actually was uh, diagnosed with diabetes shortly after I was born. So the majority of my life she has had diabetes. And I've watched her, like I said before, work feverishly hard to maintain her health as well as to go to school, study accelerated courses, which enabled her to get her degree, which enabled her to get uh, another degree, which became a master's, which then became a doctorate. And then for her to go into uh, a business that was could be fairly uh, tough and to support a family. Her and and my father working together, raising uh, three children and (laughs) adopting several. So, um, you know, and all of that at the same time, she had diabetes. I should say she has diabetes. So this show really means a lot to me because it's kind of my way of trying to help not only my mother, but others that are in my family that I'm very close to that have been diagnosed with diabetes. There was a survey 
in 2017, it was like 100 million Americans at that time uh, were diagnosed with diabetes. We can only imagine how many were not actually diagnosed with diabetes or pre-diabetic. So for me, again, this show means a lot. And I hope that all of you listening can get something positive out of it. I hope that if it's not you that has diabetes, that the information you hear, you can, you know, if you know somebody that has diabetes, you can pass it on to them or share this show with them. Uh, And as always, before every show of this nature, I would say to you, research, talk to your doctor, talk to your physician, talk to the the proper people before just beginning or doing anything, because we are here to act as a resource as well as to start conversation and dialogue. So with that being said, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, As always, I appreciate all you listeners out there because if there's no listeners, there's no podcast. And I hope that you all enjoy this show. So, as I say all the time, whenever you're here at the Daily Fit Podcast, you are home. So I want you to act like you're home. That means kick your feet up, sit back, relax. Welcome to the Daily Fit Podcast. It's time for another podcast excursion. Join us. We are the Della Fit Podcast. Three sixty degrees of holistic fitness and health. That is the Della Fit Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. You know this particular topic. It's very close to my heart. It's very near and dear. In a report. In 2017, it said more than 100 million U.S. adults are now living with diabetes or pre-diabetic. That was in 2017. I don't know what the specific numbers are now, but I can only imagine they're higher. I have very close relatives of mine who are diabetic, one being my mother, and I have a sister and very good friends of mine who are diabetic. And I have seen what can take place when one does not take care of their diabetes properly. So in this particular episode, we're going to talk to an expert in the matters of what you should be doing, how you should be taking care of yourself, and what to look out for as you are uh, growing older with diabetes. I am very pleased to have with us a Miss Marlisa Brown. Uh, She is a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, author, and chef. She has been president of Total Wellness, Inc. for 20 years, has a BS in marketing and MS in nutrition. She specializes in diabetes, obesity, CVD, and GI disorders. Some of her clients include the New York Jets, Kennedy Space Center, Hofstra, and Adelphi Universities, Guardian Life, Brookhaven, National Labs, Goldman Sachs, Tiffany, Dean Witter. Her resume reads as a who's who. I am so glad to have her here. Also, before I forget, I want to add some more things. She is also the author of Gluten-Free, Hassle-Free, an easy gluten-free and, and, yeah, sorry, tongue-tied, and easy gluten-free and other contributions 
that she has written and contribu- uh, contributed to. I'm so tongue-tied. You know, you can tell this means a lot to me, everybody, because I only get this way when, you know, I, I'm emotional about something. So, Miss Marlisa Brown, are you on the line? I am here and happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. So, let's get into this conversation. First things first, um, let's. we've already had some background on you, but what took you into this journey how did you become uh versed in this knowledge you mean on the diabetes part of it on the certified diabetes educator yes um so all right so when i became a registered dietitian um in addition to working um with a corporate job i had i started my own private practice and many 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 people were coming into my office with diabetes and so i started to take additional classes go to different programs sign up for conferences you know, expanded my um, knowledge base. I um, took like, you know, five day, six day, seven day retreat classes for professionals. And then as I got to see more and more people, and as I got better and better at it, eventually I studied for the certified diabetes educator exam. And um, you have to qualify to take it first. And then I took that exam. And you have to actually take it every five years, but now they let you do credit for it. So I've been a certified diabetes educator for like more than 15 years at this point and so I get a huge amount of patients to come in with diabetes so I had to learn about their medication their food pattern management all different types of things to make it so they would be successful so I'm gonna ask you this question right off the bat like I said um, my mother uh, one of my sisters and a few of my good friends they're diabetic I know some of the things that can uh, occur uh, as one gets older and also as if one is not taking care of themselves properly. But for a lot of our listeners out there who might be ignorant to this, what are some of the biggest problems people with diabetes face? So as far as complications, of course, diabetes is a progressive disease. So if you don't, you know, find out what it is that you're doing that's making it worse, it will get worse and continue as time goes on. And medications will lose effectiveness and they'll keep adding medications to your your docket, your bucket there, if you don't learn what you need to do early on. People make mistakes. They think the only thing that they have to avoid is sugar or they only have to avoid white things or they don't necessarily know the right amount of carbohydrates that they should consume. Mm-hmm. They either try to give it all up or they just have no clue about what they're having. They don't know when the medications kick in. They don't know, let's say if I took a medication that kicks in seven hours after I take it, seven hours after I take it, I need to consume something with carbohydrates. So you need somebody that's gonna help you that can not only teach you about the best way of your lifestyle and fix your exact state where you're at with the diabetes, but you also need to have somebody that understands how your medications are kicking in so you eat the right amount of foods at the right times to coincide with the meds so you're not up and down and back and forth. And that happens so often, I can't tell you, it's almost scary. Yeah, I've definitely seen how it can deteriorate very quickly. You can't stop it though, so thank God you can stop it. I mean, there are things that can be done. I have people that have been out of control for years and years and years, and sometimes it's just a few simple changes that somebody that understands the disease is able to teach them, and that makes all the difference. So I encourage your listeners absolutely to, if possible, to see not only a diabetic specialist, an endocrinologist, but a certified diabetes educator, and preferably a certified diabetes educator that's also a registered dietitian because they'll understand the food, meds, feet, eyes, everything that has to do with working with somebody that has diabetes. Now, one thing I've, I've 
realized or I've seen uh, with a lot of my friends and family members who are suffering with diabetes is there's a confusion of what are good carbs sources versus bad carb sources. I mean, as in my profession, uh, which is as, as a physical trainer, I also have some knowledge in basic nutrition. Uh, I get this constantly just from individuals who are not diagnosed with diabetes. So what are some of the good sources versus the bad sources? With so, a person so of diabetes? course, like when it comes to food, if you can select carbohydrate sources that have nutritional value to it, it still has the same amount of sugar. So as far as somebody's blood sugars, of course, their blood sugars are going to go up, whether it's a healthier carb or not as healthy carb. So like if you have pure sugar or pure honey or agave or any kind of a sweetener that is just a carbohydrate, yes, some are more natural sources and some are probably um, overall, you know, let's say a more desirable choice. They still will have the same impact as far as calories and the same impact on your blood sugar levels. Um, processed things like such as high fructose corn syrup and such, it doesn't make your sugars go up more than something like table sugar, but it's a less desirable item because it's not its natural form. In general, all forms of added sweetener should be limited and you should stay with things like fresh whole fruits, um, whole grain um, breads and rolls and things. If you're gluten-free you get um, and you're getting gluten-free bread, try to find breads that have things like flax and chia seeds or beans added to it, things that are going to bump up the B vitamins and the fiber content. If I'm going to choose pasta, I can choose bean pastas. I could mix or dilute my pasta with a healthy vegetable source. So like if somebody doesn't like spaghetti squash or doesn't like zucchini noodles, you could mix spaghetti squash or mix zucchini noodles in with your pasta to make your pasta have a better nutritional punch. So overall, the goal is to dilute unhealthful foods with healthy foods if you feel that you really have to have that regular pasta or that regular sugar or such. That's the way to go. If you can go without those items and just go with the whole food, that's even better. But each person has to live the way that they're comfortable living, and you want to try to make it work for them no matter what their, their specialties, choices, lifestyles are. So let me ask you this. So for somebody who's just maybe being diagnosed with diabetes, how should they begin to eat in order to properly regulate one's blood sugar level? I mean, of course, um, for them, it's probably very foreign. You know, it's probably a whole new world. So, what should they so do? So they're either pre-diabetic or newly diagnosed type 2 diabetic. Type 1 okay. diabetics are the people that their pancreas isn't making insulin anymore. Totally different, you know, plan. So newly diagnosed type 2 diabetic or somebody that's just on the edge of becoming diabetes. There are several things that are helpful for all. So first off, you want to make sure you consume a, a decent amount of water every day. Okay. Uh, water is important for everybody's function and it also dilutes your blood consistency a little bit. So you want to make sure, and I'm saying water, I mean water. I don't mean coffee. I don't mean soda. I don't mean salt. I mean water. We want to limit concentrated sources of sugar like juice and sugar and honey and agave. Do not add in too much of that to anything that you're having. You want to split your carbohydrates more evenly throughout the day, not having big, big meals. When your body systems aren't working well and you give it too much of something, it's not going to be able to handle it as well if you just give it a little at a time. You want to make sure that you include a combination of foods in each meal or snack. So, for example, foods that have a little bit of fat in it tend to digest slower. So if there's a little bit of fat combined with my carbohydrates, my sugars don't go up as quickly mm. and they don't come down as quickly. So if I have like, like something like, let's say I'm having a sandwich and I'm having um, a turkey sandwich on multigrain bread, 
I could add um, a slice or two of avocado, that would be a fat. I could put a little bit of light mayonnaise, that would be a fat. I could have a couple of, like maybe four or five nuts on the side, that would be a fat. That would slow the absorption of the entire sandwich into my blood. If I added a little bit of vegetables, which have more fiber to them and also digest in a different manner, that also slows the absorption. So you don't go up as high, you don't go up as fast, you don't come down as low. So my four things would be increase water, split your carbs equally throughout the day, combine your meals so that you're not getting as much of a bump, and try to increase your physical activity because that actually starts to reverse insulin resistance. Those are my top, those top, top items. Top four. <laughs> Okay, let me ask you this. One thing I've seen, and this just might be an isolated incident. Like I said, I have a good amount of friends and family who have diabetes. And I have one particular friend of mine. I see that emotion plays a big part along with food uh, consumption when it deals with diabetes. So how are the two connected? And what can be done? Like I've, I've, I've been in situations where a friend of mine... They'll be worried about something, and their blood sugars go sky high. You know. Um, so, okay, so this is this is your primal programming. Okay, this is where it comes from. We make hormones. We make like insulin, for example, is a hormone. Adrenaline is a hormone. We have all these hormones that are going on in our body. And if you went back to when we were like running from dinosaurs and taking through tigers and such, you would need to have a lot of energy so you could run fast so the dinosaur didn't catch you. Right. Your body will secrete hormones that will allow your liver dump the sugar that it has stored so that you have the energy to run from the dinosaur so it doesn't eat you. Okay, so that was the, that's the body, that's the the whole way, you know, genetically and DNA and everything, that's the way that we are. Our bodies work that way. It sends out energy when we need it because of stress. But it doesn't matter if a dinosaur is facing us or if somebody's yelling at us or if we're just worried about our credit card payment. Whatever it is, it's stress. Our body responds the same way as if we're running from the dinosaur, and our liver would dump sugar into our into our bloodstream to provide that energy. Unfortunately, when you're just stressed about something personal going on, you're not burning up that additional energy by running. You are actually just dumping it into your blood, and your bloodstream goes up. Mm, okay. So, what would you recommend for that? What can we do? I assume it would be more of a mindful approach at that point than maybe a dietary. So mindful approach piece is two. So first off, I say regularly exercise, even if it's a small amount every day, and do a little bit of breathing and stretching exercises. Mm -hmm. It helps their body reset faster. Like in other words, it helps you neutralize faster. Um, In addition, there's many, many tapes and programs and classes where they help you with relaxation exercises and relaxation tapes that you could use to teach you how to just take a moment, close your eyes, breathe a little bit, and try to bring yourself back to a reset point. Because if you keep that stress going on a long period of time, you, your adrenaline, everything, is, it keeps going, and the system doesn't get back to a neutral state again very easily. So the only way to do that is with long-term practical approaches to stress management that you try to practice and implement when you're not stressed so this way you can use them when you are because you'll be good at Okay. So it, it's, it's more holistic in how the approach is than what um, many individuals might think, whereas it uh, might be primarily the thought in the past was it was um, medicine-based. It's more of a holistic approach from that standpoint. Of course. I mean, if you're chronically stressed and you have like a depressive nature or you're diagnosed with something that requires medication, of course, 
you need to you know treat that appropriately you need to get counseling you need to get um, if necessary medications I mean I have a lot of patients that come in sometimes that have been diagnosed with something like let's say they're bipolar and they absolutely need to take their meds and they go off and on their meds and they're diabetic and and so that makes the sugars go like in a total whirlwind so if it's a chronic medical condition it needs to be treated as such plus the holistic piece if it's something that it's just like you know not a chronic medical condition, but something that just happens, you know, on occasion or something that's happening at the moment, then you need to just have skills that you have that can help you relax and bring you back to neutral. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. My other question that I have is, as we get older, our metabolism slows. It's just a natural part of life. Mm -hmm. This also has a dynamic effect on our sugar levels and diabetes as well. Am I correct? Well, it's it's not necessarily your, your metabolism, so to speak, but it's that when you get older, your muscles start to deteriorate, unless you're right. a trainer right, <laughs> you're right. regularly. And so as you lose muscle mass, muscle is less metabolically active. Fat has a whole different way that it responds in your body. And so the less metabolic activity of your body, it will increase the risk of insulin resistance. More fat you have on your body, the less um, muscle it could increase your insulin resistance. So there's, there's, there's situations like that. So it's not necessarily that your metabolism is slowing down, but it's that your body composition has changed, and body composition does play a role in how your body's insulin resistance responds. Why is diabetes seen like it's such an individualistic um, disease? What makes it so different than many others? So that's a really great question. I mean, not that well, your questions weren't great, of course, but um, <laughs> um, so diabetes is a multi-system disorder, and different people have different systems in their body that aren't functioning the right way. So some people are insulin resistant more than others. Some people, their liver isn't storing sugar appropriately and dumping sugar indiscriminately. Other people, their pancreas may not be producing enough insulin or producing it as quickly as they need it. Some people, their gastric emptying is either quicker or slower than others. So each person has a different dynamic that's going on in their body. Plus, some people have it longer than others, and so the length of time you have something untreated makes it usually worse. And so depending on when somebody comes into my office, like the worst possible thing is when somebody's pre-diabetic or just newly diabetic for a doctor or somebody to say to them, well, you don't need to worry about it right now. Just watch your sugars and your white food, you know, whatever, something to that effect. Right. The most important thing is to get a hold of somebody early on and help them develop skills that are going to keep them in their lifestyle with their issues from going to the next level. Because you can, it's much easier when it's just in the beginning stages to make changes that are going to work than when somebody comes to you and their sugars are already out of control, their body isn't coming back to where it should be that easily. And so I would say that if we could really dig in deep, I mean, somebody who's newly diagnosed with type 2 diabetes or, newly, or just told that they're about to get diabetes, do everything that would be important to make sure that you're maintaining where your system is go. Go to a podiatrist. Let them know that you just got diagnosed with diabetes. Let them make sure there's nothing going on that would be a risk. Go to an ophthalmologist. Make sure they check out your eyes. You could have damage from pre-diabetes and damage from new diabetes because it took years to develop. Get yourself a doctor that really is up to speed with diabetes, either a primary care that's really good at it or an endocrinologist. I mean, you need to be on the forefront of moving forward. Don't worry that somebody's going to tell you what you can or can't or should or shouldn't eat. If you find somebody that's lecturing at you too much, 
find somebody else to go to. There are people that will work with you that will work in a way that is conducive to the way you like to live. Instead of saying, you can never do this again. That's not the kind of person that you want to work with. You want to find a practitioner that's going to say, I understand you like to do that. Let's see what we can do. That's what you need to do. Wow. And I have to ask you this because my aunt heard that I was going to be interviewing you. The first thing she said, she was like, ask her what my plate should look like. Now, <laughs> this is for you, Auntie. <laughs> so she said, oh, This is funny that you asked the question because I just did a four hour program on diabetes to coaches yesterday, health coaches, and we had plates and we did different experiments on them. So it's interesting that you're asked that particular question today. But I will tell you that the plate has to differ based on the amount of medication somebody's on. So let me give you a general idea. Okay. If somebody comes to me and they're pre diabetic, and let's say they're looking to lose weight and they're not on any diabetic medication and they are you know, trying to get it so they don't get diabetes. They're trying to make things in you know, perspective. Usually about 25% of the plate or a quarter of the plate should be their carbohydrate, whether it's fruit or starch. Usually about 25% of the plate would be your protein, like whether it's chicken or fish or beef. And then half the plate should be vegetables. Okay. But, and a little bit of fat you know, to, you know, to balance it out. But... If I get somebody that's on a lot of medication or on insulin, okay, the last thing in the world I want to do is cut their carbohydrates on their plate until I know already what they've been having and how that's been responding. So let me give you an example. So let's say your auntie said, how much pasta can I have? Let's use that as an example. Okay. So I would say to her, this is what I want you to do. I want you to test your sugar before you eat your meal. I want you to measure how many cups of cooked pasta that you're having you know it shouldn't be more really than a cup or a cup and a half cup but some people have more mm-hmm. how much you're having and two hours after you eat it i want to see what your blood sugar is again so i can see what the response is to that meal because let's say you're my patient your aunt is my patient and she's eating two cups of pasta at every meal and she's taking like let's say a huge amount of insulin or other kind of diabetic medication and i tell her oh well, we only have a quarter of your plate you know, her blood sugar can go so low, it could be dangerous. She could end up unconscious because right. she gets low blood sugar because the medicine's so strong. So I need to see the response of the amount of food that she's having to her current medication situation before I change it. Otherwise, I could hurt them more than I could help them. Gotcha. And that's most important because sometimes that's what happens. Like somebody will go to their doctor and they're on, let's say, um, sulfonylurea, like a, a glyburide or something like that, and they're on insulin and they're on one of those medications that makes you urinate out um, sugar, like an SGLT2 inhibitor. They're on all these medicines that make your sugar drop. And they eat lots of carbs, and somebody tells them, don't eat carbs anymore, just only have a small amount of carbs. And the medications are so strong, and they cut the carbs, that the combination of the things together can bring them to low blood sugar. So you just need to work around things. And then as you drop things that you're trying to reduce, that you make sure that you're working with the doctor to reduce the medication at the same time appropriately. Because otherwise, the risk of low blood sugar, the sudden um, incidents are much more dangerous, almost in an instant, than almost any other thing. So that's why we have to be very careful. So I'll answer you that. But you can always call me or text me or email me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that, that, that's coming up. We're definitely going to have that. What, in your experience, boy, what would you want in, individuals to understand about diabetes? Um, the, well, most people, the B word, so to speak, you know, most people are petrified of diabetes because of the long-term possible um, consequences that they've seen other people go through. 
So the most important thing to say is that diabetes is like anything else, like whether you have high blood pressure or high cholesterol or you're overweight. It's something that can be treated and regulated and you can still live your life. You don't need to be afraid of it. You don't need to be afraid to tell the truth. If you find that you're going to a medical person that's making you uncomfortable, then go someplace else to somebody that makes you comfortable. You can live your life. You can eat food. We can fit most foods in some way into your diet and help you get your diabetes under control. And and that's the most important thing. And we need to find a way that you can eat that you can live a lifetime with. Because if you're going on and off, on and off, on and off, your diabetes is just going to continue to get worse and worse. So it has to be something that we come up with that you can live with. Marlisa, thank you so much for coming on to the show and discussing this topic. Like I said, this means a lot to me as well as I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there. Where can people uh, contact you to ask you questions, uh, email you? Uh, do you have Instagram? Because I, I know there's going to be a lot of questions that are going to come from this. Just this one time, I, I, I can hear the barrage, the footsteps through the Internet <laughs> right now. Okay, so there's a number of ways. Well, I'm, I'm Googleable. If you go Marlisa Brown, I get lots of pages. But I have many. I have a few websites. Um, one is T is in Tom, the word wellness.net. And there's contact buttons on all of these. MarlisaSpeaks.com, um, Gluten-Free Easy with the easy or the word easy.com. Those are all my websites. Um, I have others, but that's enough of that. Marlisa Brown 8, like 8, like I ate it. Marlisa Brown 8 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I just started posting on the Dieting Dietitian, Dietitian with a T, um, health, on Instagram and on Facebook. So the Dieting Dietitian on Facebook, Marlisa Brown 8 on Instagram, um, nutritional recipes out of organic foods and such and recipes every day. I've been putting that up recently. So those are different ways you can get me. Marlisa, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We are much thankful to you. I'm thankful to you. I know you're a very busy woman, but this means a lot to me and I'm sure many of our listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Love to be on again. Salutations and proclamations. It's Philly's number one son, aka the body alchemist, Sun Moon Bay, host of the Daily Fit Podcast, letting you know that you can now tune in from some of your favorite platforms. That's right, iTunes lovers, Google Play Music listeners, and Spotify addicts. Simply to tune in, go to the search section in your favorite platform and type in Daily Fit Podcast. We haven't forgotten about you too, YouTube lovers or SoundCloud floaters. It's the same thing. Go to your favorite app or platform and type in in the search menu, De La Fit Podcast. Hey, De La Fit Podcast listeners. Want to share your opinions, give feedback, or tell me what you're thinking? Send me a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send me audio that might end up in a future episode of the De La Fit Podcast. They're the latest feature from Anchor, the platform I use to make this podcast. Here are some of the things I'd like to hear from you. Questions you may have for me, future topics, and or types of guests you would like us to reach out to. You can send me a voice message right now from wherever you're listening. Just tap the link in my show notes. I can't wait to hear from you. You're now tuned in to the Daylight Fit Podcast.
So I just want to thank Marlisa for coming to the podcast and giving us the benefit of her education and her training and knowledge where uh, it comes to diabetes. Things to think about, things to uh, reflect on, things to look at. Uh, hopefully, uh, the, you listeners out there can take this and use it for yourself as well as if it's not for you, for somebody else you know, or at least give them some information to think about. Again, before acting upon any type of information, I would encourage you to talk to your physician, a specialist when it comes to diabetes. The information that Marlisa gave, I think, was very eye-opening in how to start thinking of ways of maintaining and controlling diabetes, as well as to think of it in a holistic manner not just in the conventional medical sense, but almost in a more of an intellectual sense. You know, uh, I feel like when we watch things in the media that we tend to be made to be frightened by what we see. And when we talk to individuals like Marlisa, it gives us a little bit more knowledge in the sense of, oh, I can control this or I can actually maintain this or I can actually still live the best life possible with the information that I've now gotten instead of being afraid. And that's the primary purpose for this specific podcast and this specific topic that we're talking about today. So we're going to go on to activities and exercises that you can do to help control your diabetes. And exercise is first of all, uh, valuable, not just for controlling diabetes, but it's valuable in general. Uh, It helps strengthen your bones. It helps strengthen your muscles. It also helps to alleviate anxiety. It helps to control cholesterol levels. It helps to burn fat. It has a multitude of medicinal purposes. And and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because I truly don't like the term exercise not because it's a bad term or rather I say I don't like the term working out exercise is a good word because you can exercise in anything you know uh, you can have exercises where it's like typing exercises or drills or whatever you want to call it but uh, I'm, I, I like to stay away from the term working out because I find that people have trauma to that term of working out. Uh, I don't know too many individuals who actually are comfortable with that term. Uh, It's never something like, yeah, I'm going to work out unless they just have been introduced to being in a gym or being in an athletic or uh, very active lifestyle at a young age or, or, or at some point by somebody who could display the actions in a very healthy way. So with that being said, I would say to you, reintroduce yourself to an activity that is active and when I say active that gets your whole body moving gets your whole body flowing gets your your blood flowing gets your heart rate up in a nice moderate to controlled way might produce a nice sweat it has tons of benefits one good uh, activity is walking walking is a great activity it burns a lot of calories Uh, it can be soothing You know, I know many individuals who uh, use walking to keep themselves fit and they use it also as time to themselves, like a meditation time. They'll put on their headphones. They might play an audio book or a certain type of music that they like and go for long walks in the park, you know, and it helps them center themselves as well as, like I said, helps to be a 
form of low impact uh, activity that burns calories and helps them to uh, just kind of like Marlisa said um, regulate themselves so you know a simple activity like that swimming is another activity that is very good uh, it's full body it's, uh, it's resistant because of the uh, buoyancy of the water um, not to mention it's low impact again uh, riding a bike Another uh, activity that is very, very uh, um, aerobic in nature, you know, as well as, excuse me, actually anaerobic, as my mentor uh, would would say, it's an anaerobic workout, not so much as an uh, aerobic uh, workout. But, you know, it's something that uh, can help you, like I said, burn calories, build muscle, you know, it builds your endurance, you know, not only just muscle wise, but uh, cardiovascular wise so something else to take into consideration and these are just some forms for individuals who might be looking for low impact uh, uh, workouts or easy things to do I should say uh, movement or exercises or playing to do Uh, for those who want to be more uh, uh, aggressive you know you might be a little bit more active you might want to get back into something that you haven't done in a long time you know, um, some of my clients, I tell them, especially if they're new and they're like, you know, I really want to get back in shape and I want to do things. As I said before, let's go back to the things you used to do. Were you an active person prior or what did you do for fun that was active prior? Or what is it that you like to do or you have an interest in doing? I always tell everybody out there, do not rush to go into a gym. For many different reasons. If you've listened to my podcast, you'll know I have many different reasons as to why I say don't just run to the gym. Uh, first things first, most gyms today, they're businesses. You know, a gym is a business and they want to hook you into a contract. And everybody, you know, especially if you're new to that atmosphere, you know, you don't know if you're going to be there as long as uh, as that contract is going to be there. And that contract is there to hook you. I know many gym owners are probably like, oh, don't spill the secret. But that's the truth. It's not a secret that many people uh, aren't familiar with. Second thing of it is, is that build on a foundation. You don't have to go to the gym all the time in order to be fit. You can do many different activities at home. So for a lot of my new clients, I tell them, hey, dance. If you're a dancer, dance. Go back to dancing. Take 10 to 15 minutes. Dance at home. Take, to, uh, you know, look, take some time out. You know, have a dance party by yourself at home or go dancing. Go to a cabaret. Go to a, cl- uh, a, a, a lounge or somewhere where you're comfortable. Take a Zumba class. If you don't want to be around people in that type of environment of a, of a dance, like a cabaret or, or a club or something like that, go to uh, a Zumba class, you know, take a salsa class, you know, do something in, in that's constructive and, and conducive to what you want to do. Make it something fun. Many of you who've tuned into this podcast has heard, heard me say this before, and I will say it again. If it's not fun to you, you're not going to continue it. It's going to be a, uh, 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 a chore. Nobody wants to do chores. Nobody wants to do chores. Who wants to do chores? 
Nobody. <laughs> I remember as a child, I never wanted to do chores. Who wants to clean? Who wants to do all these things? And you have that that minority that's probably listening. Like, I like to do it. Well, that's great for you. That might be something that you enjoy doing. But for most of us out here, like myself, well, I don't like doing chores. I don't like doing anything I have to do. I only want to do the things I like doing. So find something that you like to do that's active and conducive to your condition or your individualistic nature. Like I said, for some, it might be dancing. For others, it might be walking. It might be basketball for another. Find that specific activity. And if you still want to get into the gym, get into the gym. But before you do, I would always say, specifically, if you are diabetic, have a plan. 100% have a plan. Again, first rule of thumb, talk to your physician. Develop the plan. Two, you know, if... uh, Talk to your physician, talk to a dietitian, talk to a certified personal trainer. Those individuals are going to help you develop plans. Because the thing of it is, is that if you are diabetic and say maybe you're type 2 and you're you're, uh, maybe a little overweight, you might want to lose weight to help your condition a little bit better. So you want to develop a plan. You just don't want to go into a gym and just start. You want to have a, a, a roadmap to say. You know, which is going to help you because many individuals, what I see, they go into a gym. They don't really know what they're doing. They might have had some type of gym knowledge uh, via YouTube or Google or maybe not even that. Maybe when they were in high school. So talk to a trainer, do a lot of do some research, find out what it is you need to do. Talk to that physician. You know, specifically, if again, like I said, we're dealing with diabetes. So first things first, make sure you hydrate yourself. Water is uh, your friend you, uh, and it's good, first of all, for all of us, no matter if you're diabetic or not. Water is our friend. Our bodies are 70 percent water. 70 percent. So when you're hydrated, you function better Two, Before you work out, check your blood sugar. Make sure your blood sugar is uh, where it should be before you work out. Number three, make sure you have a snack that can help you raise your blood sugar if you are working out and your uh, blood sugar levels drop. Uh, What takes place is that exercise helps to lower high blood sugar. It helps to lower it. So you don't want to let's say go to the gym if you haven't checked your blood sugar levels not know what your sugar levels are work out and then drop very low like i said you might what if your your sugar level is already low and then you go to the gym and you drop them lower that can be very dangerous that can be catastrophic we don't want that so you want to make sure one check your blood sugar levels or i should say one be hydrated two check your blood sugar levels take a sugary snack something sweet that can boost you up you know it doesn't have to be uh anything ridiculous just something that can raise your sugar up to a uh a good level and keep you at uh at a optimal level for performance keep you feeling good do your workout and again have your plan if you're trying to lose weight and what you should do is once you've talked to your trainer he and you should be able to formulate a plan that will help you build around your goal so it might be 
a uh, split routine level whereas you're doing pushing and pulling uh, movements different days of the week or maybe it's you're doing a little uh, like cardio every day or every other day scattered out some form of cardio and you know this can be again going back to uh, jogging walking running bike riding swimming you know uh, walking under treadmill uh, using the elliptical um, uh, uh, riding the, the stationary bikes, you know, using a, uh, I started to say a lawnmower, using a, a rowing machine, you know, you might want to switch it up throughout the week if you're trying to keep your cardio going, you know, which helps to burn fat and then some moderate weight training. Weight training is optimal. I once had a, a potential client ask me that they're like, why do I have to weight train? I don't really like weight training. Here's the thing. Cardio is great for burning. It's, it's a burner while you're doing it. But after you're done cardio, it stops. That burning stops. That burning, you know, that energy and everything stops. You know, so it's, it's almost like a car engine. When you're, you're riding, you know, turning on your car and you're driving, that engine's running and it gets hot. And it's going to stay warm as long as that car is running. Once you turn it off, it starts to cool down. Now, the thing about resistance training, weight training, if you are doing a proper weight training protocol or program, what will take place is you will continue to burn even after you have stopped working out because your body is now it's like, wow, you know, I had to lift X amount of pounds and I have to burn. You know, I need this energy to refuel because your muscles have uh, what they call uh, micro tears when you're lifting. And it's nothing serious, but it helps them to develop and get stronger. Not only that, your bones get denser. And what takes place is the reason why all that's taking place is because now you, your, your body is an adapting machine. It's an, it's an amazing adaptable mechanical device. And it's taking all of that and it's saying, okay, well, we need to build up because we don't know if we're gonna have to lift that again. And we need to get stronger. And your body calls out to all its organisms in inside and says, yo, we need to get stronger. We need to do it now. We need to survive. So what takes place is it starts uh, taking uh, the uh, uh, uh the nutrients and everything into it and building those to rebuild those cells it starts using um i think if i make sure i'm correct the glycogen the glucose that's in the body uh and using that excess sugar um to uh burn and and run and, and use that energy which is why it helps to lower your blood sugar in the body and again research this because i know i turn times like this i like to talk just in general conversation instead of specific scientifics um but helps to burn that sugar the excess sugar that's in your body which like i said before helps to lower helps to lower that blood sugar level keep it uh at optimum levels and basically your body's like you know it's rebuilding itself so it takes all that it takes the fat and everything well see that can be a long process and it burns it's burning and it's burning because it's like oh we gotta refuel we gotta we gotta we gotta survive we have to survive so we're gonna adapt become stronger because we don't know the next time if we're gonna have to do that again 
which is why exercise is so valuable. Not only if you're diabetic, it's valuable to everyone, but if you're diabetic, it's definitely valuable to you. You know, also, it's great for relieving anxiety and stress. And stress in diabetes is it, it can be a a tipping point factor. It can it it can really uh, heighten many things uh, that's going on in your body. Like Marlisa was saying earlier, uh, you know that fight or flight. You know, it the body's not r- r- registering what type of fight or flight is going on. It just knows that your body is feeling threatened. So if you're being yelled at, if you're worrying, that your body's like, "Ooh, something's going on." We, woo, and all that is spilling, spilling inside. You know. All of that that energy, all of that nervousness, and that's not good. Well, exercise helps to alleviate that because it gives that energy, it gives that uh, 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 that uh, what is that that adrenaline something to burn on, something to do. So we're actually running, you know. So basically, when your body's in that fight or flight mode, that exercise or that running or whatever they have to do, it, it balances your body because that's what's going on. You know, I don't know if you've ever been frightened and you have that fight or flight moment. And when you are really seriously frightened, you know, somebody might jump down nowhere and be like, boo, and you're like, ah, it takes a little while before you're really calm. It takes a little bit because if you think about it, you're now your senses are extra heightened. You know, everything you're, you can hear a little bit clearer. Your eyes can see a little bit better. doesn't matter what's going on. You know, you could be you could be sick. I, I'm going to tell you a quick story. I'll never forget. It. I once had a stomach flu uh, or stomach virus and I had to work and I had to help uh, my father. We were, we're <laughs> we were picking up uh, a, a big, big uh, delivery and we had to get it uh, down these steps and. I knew I was the only one that could help my father because at this time my brother was at I think he was at school and I had the day off and I just knew it had to be done and he couldn't get anybody else to help him. And when I say I was sick, I was sick. I mean, I had thrown up. I was throwing up most of the day. So I was nervous because I'm like, wow, I'm going to help my 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 father with this but i don't want to throw up while i'm there so here's the thing i was sick now when i say i was sick i was sick like the whole time in the car i'm just like oh i don't feel good by the time we get to where we got to go to pick up this package and bring it down these step of these very narrow steps um my body had kicked in that uh uh-oh this is something that needs to be done and my adrenaline kicked up and I couldn't feel my stomach. I couldn't feel myself being sick. It was just like I was instantly well. And what I did was, you know, lifting every I could lift. I could do everything I needed to do to get that where it needed to be to get that big because it was like a, a huge crate. It was a huge crate, probably weighed about close to 300 pounds and my father was on one side and I was on 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 the other I was actually on the end he was on the uh the top portion of it coming coming down the steps and once we got it down we got settled we got into the wagon everything was good and then my body started sending those signals that okay everything's going back to normal well it took a little while but after a while I started to feel sick again because I was sick you know, that virus was still inside of me. But what took place was that my body, 
had kicked up those uh, uh what do you call those uh hormones that adrenaline that was like yo we need to survive shut everything else down that's not needed right now well that's what your body is starts to do when you're worrying you know it's it, it, it makes those anxieties and things kick up but but if there's no actual action like me picking up that heavy help you know helping my father with that heavy box you know you're just in that worrying state and that's not a healthy state and that can actually aggravate uh any type of um uh, uh disease or any type of uh, uh situation that one health situation that one has going on in the body so i hope this makes sense to everybody that was listening um if you have any questions where it comes to exercises or routines or things that you want to uh goals that you want to attain where it comes to you uh and if you're diabetic and you have questions and you're like hey i want to start working out or i want to uh i need some more help with activities to do to help me uh control my diabetes please uh email us at g um, excuse me at daylightfit13 at gmail.com you can also contact us at our website, which is www.daylightfitpodcast.com. We look for it. We're on Facebook at Podcast. We're also on Instagram at day underscore la underscore fit podcast. Don't be a stranger. Like I said, uh, this is the family. When you're listening to the Daylight Fit Podcast, we want you to feel comfortable. We want you to feel like you're at home. So... Uh, we're going to get ready to take a break. We're going to go to these messages and then we're going to come back. So I just want to take the time out to thank uh, Miss Marlisa Brown for coming to the Day Life Fit podcast and sharing her information, her knowledge with us, uh, the listening audience, with myself. We thank you so much. We thank you for your energy and your time. And also, I want to thank you, the listeners. There would be no podcast, as I said this before, without you. You make up the family that is the Daylight Fit Podcast. And we will continue to give the best information and bring the best uh, professionals and educated uh, people here to help you answer those questions that you can live your best life. So that you can live the 360 degrees of holistic fitness and health. As always, if you would like to ask us any questions, if you would like us to uh, dive into any topics, you can reach us at daylightfit13 at gmail.com as well as on www.daylightfitpodcast.com. And you can also reach us at <clears throat> Facebook. At De La Fit Podcast. We're also on Instagram at DE underscore LA underscore Fit Podcast. So don't be a stranger. Hit us up. As always, thank you for joining us. I wish you nothing but happiness. I wish you nothing but health. And I hope that you will treat yourself well. Because when you treat yourself well, you will treat others well. As always, we are the village. And each one must teach one. Peace. You've been listening to the Delafit podcast. Ta-ta for now.